very early the first day of the week, just after sunrise. John in his gospel actually says it was still kind of dark. They were on their way to the tomb. Uh, question, what do, you, what do you think they were feeling at this time? For that matter, how do you think they felt all day on that Saturday? I think some of the emotions they were feeling were fear, worry, concern. I think they were feeling doubtful, sad, overwhelmed, unsure, alone, hopeless. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Yeah, no kidding, right? Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. Uh, they were looking for Jesus who was crucified, Jesus who was arrested, bound, beaten, bruised, battered, mocked, insulted. They were looking for Jesus who was stripped naked, nailed to a wooden cross. They were looking for Jesus who was crucified, Jesus who hung suspended for six hours, Jesus who, who bowed his head at 3 p.m. and returned to the Father. It is finished. Abba, Father, Dad. Into your hands I commit my spirit. They were looking for Jesus who was crucified. Yeah, the crucifixion, that was Friday. Uh, But listen, from the very moment the Roman soldier banged the first nail into the flesh of God, Sunday was coming. And and on that first Sunday morning 2,000 years ago, Jesus with great power, I love the heartbeat on that video, boom, 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 burst forth from the grave. Maple Grove, it's Easter 2013. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. The enemy has been defeated. Death could not hold our Jesus down. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. Now, I understand that. That this, that what happened on that first Easter weekend, the betrayal, the, the, the arrest, the, the Niles, the crucifixion, his death and his resurrection, Jesus said that those things were going to happen. When Jesus came into Jerusalem to, to begin his ministry, after going to the temple and overthrowing the tables, chasing out the money changers, he said in John chapter 2 verse 19, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, um, when some Pharisees tried to challenge him after he cast out a demon, he said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And, And Jesus said to his guys as he made his final trip into Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 16, after he got that identity thing squared away, you know, you are the Christ, the Son, the living God, Jesus said this. He said, 
he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. I understand from the beginning to the end of his ministry, Jesus said that he would suffer, he would die, and he would rise again. And he also said that his resurrection would be irrefutable proof that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. God in the flesh, the bread of life, the light of the world, the great I am, the Savior King. Check out these words that Paul penned to the church of Rome, Romans chapter 1, verse 4. He says this, he was declared to be God's son with great power by rising from the dead. You see, his resurrection is intended to remove any doubt whatsoever as to who Jesus is. Maple Grove, the Jesus that we love, that we follow, that we serve, the Jesus that we sing to and worship, the Jesus that we gather in this place to worship today and honor is not just a, a prophet, a great teacher. He's not just a really, really, really nice guy. No, Jesus is God. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's the creator of all that we see. Jesus is before all things, over all things, and Jesus holds all things together. And listen, if he can hold the universe together, he can hold our lives together as well. Maple Grove, I stand before you today, Easter 2013, and proclaim to you that Jesus Christ is huge, that he's mighty, that he's holy, and that Jesus Christ is God. And because he's God, that means that Jesus has all the answers. It means that Jesus can deliver everything he promised. It, it means that Jesus can bring peace to any conflict, whether external or internal. I think it's pretty significant that the very first words Jesus spoke when he broke, when he popped in through the locked doors, when he showed up eight days later to Thomas, were what? Peace to you. And that's what we need, right? And we need peace. And Jesus can give us peace. Jesus can conquer any problem. Jesus can calm any storm. Jesus can defeat any enemy. The resurrection means that Jesus is God and means that what he said is true. And, and that what Jesus said he would do, he has done, or he's fixing to do. Jesus is God. Jesus is alive Man, those truths never do get old. And I hope they don't. And just in case they do, every now and then I, I break out my cornflakes, right? And these cornflakes remind us, years ago, Kellogg's, exists a long time, had a, had a promo, an ad campaign. Try them again as if for the first time. And you're here today, maybe you know the story. And maybe like, like cornflakes, they're kind of soggy, all right? I don't want these truths to be soggy about who Jesus is. You know, I don't want them to get old. You know, a matter of fact is, it, it, there she is. Mary was walking out of here after Good Friday service, and she said, 91 Easter's, and they just keep getting better. You go. That's awesome. You know, on the, on the way to church, we're at that terrible light at JPA and, and, and Emmett that goes on forever, and there was a, there was a, an older guy, you know, in, in a suit. I mean, you know, walking like this. You know, at first we thought, should we give him a ride? But I just wanted to watch him. Because I'm thinking, you know what? It's 7.30 in the morning. He's dressed and walking. Very difficult. Why? Because it's not old. It's not old. These truths are crunchy to him. 
And I want these truths to wake you up today like never before. Hear them as if for the first time. Jesus is God and Jesus is alive. And Jesus wants you and he wants me to be fully alive. Fully alive. Tell the person next to you, Jesus wants you to be alive. And, and then, not an not a angry pointing finger, you know, but say, fully alive. Fully alive. Fully alive. And, and, in fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, come on, some of you are nice, remember nice. He, he, he said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. The angels, when they broke the apostles out of prison in Acts chapter 5, told them, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. Paul said in Romans 6, 4, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. We may live new lives. Man, is this good stuff or what? Hey, I don't know about you, but I, I really need Easter 2013. Y yes, God wants you and he wants me to be alive. He wants us to live new, full, abundant, purposeful lives. Ones in which we're fully alive, but a lot of people, maybe in a few in this room, are not fully alive. And they probably know it. I mean, truth be told, many are just going through the motions of life, existing, not really living. They're in the survival mode. Ever been in a survival mode? You're, you're barely hanging on. You're just trying to get through the day, a day that looks hauntingly like, looks hauntingly like the, every other day. I get up, go to work, come home, eat, watch some TV, go to bed, wake up, eat breakfast, and do it all over again. Qu question, why is that? Uh, why are so many people not experiencing the full life that God wants for them and that Jesus bought for them on a bloodstained cross? Well, to see why we settle for less than God's best, we have to go back to the first couple, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve lived in a perfect world, a garden paradise. Not only that, they, they also had an up-close and personal relationship with God. I, I mean, God would come to the garden in the cool of the morning, sit at the table, eat some Captain Crunch with them, and then they would go out and take a walk together. That had to be incredible. Imagine that. And God said to them, I've created all this stuff for you, and I want you to enjoy every, all of it. In fact, there's only one thing that's off limits. There's only one tree that you can't eat fruit from. And what do they do? They go straight to that tree, eat the fruit, disobey God, and in so doing, they mess up everything. And I mean everything. Now, granted, they did have a little help in taking that first bite, and so do we. You see, you and I, we do battle with the very same enemy they faced. Enemy that appeared to them in a the form of a serpent. Enemy that Scripture tells us is like a roaring lion, roaring lion looking for someone to devour, and an angry dragon who's declared war on God's people. An enemy who's determined to steal, kill, and destroy the full and abundant life Jesus won for us on a wooden cross in an empty tomb 2,000 years ago. Yes, Adam and Eve chose the forbidden fruit, and so do we. And when we do it, it creates a wall between us and God. It creates a wall between God's perfection and our imperfection. Uh, Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. 700 years before God put on flesh. He said this, your sins are the roadblock between you and your God. And that applies not just to non-Christians, right? I think we know that, don't we? Sometimes our sins block us off from God. Yeah, you and I, we build walls. 
Uh, but 2,000 years ago on Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ built a bridge. Question, what if? Uh, what if, despite all our knowledge, what if, despite all our technological advances, what if, despite our sophistication, what if the answer to our struggles, our doubts, our fears, our problems, our emptiness, our uncertainty, our failures, and our hopelessness is still an ancient solution? What if? What if forgiveness is available? What if restoration is possible? What if hope can be living? And what if salvation really is by grace? Father God, just be with us right now. God, help me to say what you want me to say. Help your truth to be fresh, not old and soggy. Jesus, fill this place in our lives with your presence. Amen. As we sang earlier, everyone needs compassion. Uh, Love that's never failing, let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of the Savior, the hope of nations. Question, do you ever need forgiveness? Do you ever mess up? Could you use some forgiveness today? Anybody just love guilt, love feeling guilty? Raise your hands. Anybody into guilt? Okay. Now, if anyone ever needed to know that forgiveness was available, it was a distraught, guilt-ridden, sun-weary fisherman named Peter. Uh, Peter was standing with John when the two Marys came running from the tomb and they ran out to meet them and they said, hey, slow down, slow down. We, we can't understand you. What, what, what? Uh, the tomb is empty. Jesus, he's not there. He, he's alive. And, and then Peter said, hey, 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 hold on a minute. Did I hear you right? Yes, Peter, we're sure. The angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Uh, understand those two words and Peter were like cool flowing like a cool flowing stream in a desert wasteland. I mean, it's as if all heaven had watched Peter fall and all heaven was waiting for him to get up again. And somewhere, we we don't know where, maybe along the shoreline of the Jordan uh, or maybe on a dirt road outside the city, but the important thing is not where it happened, but that it did happen. The Apostle Paul even makes a point of it in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 5 to say that Jesus appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Now, the Bible doesn't give us any details of that meeting. It doesn't tell us what Peter said. And I, for one, I don't think Peter said much of anything. I mean, I, I, I picture Peter alone sitting with his head down, his heart broken. I mean, he had set such high standards for himself, standards he couldn't meet because he's just a guy. But because Peter couldn't forgive himself, he couldn't believe that God could actually forgive him. You ever been there? You're there now? He's like, no way, not after what I've done. I I went too far. I I don't deserve his forgiveness. When my master, my friend, my Lord was being beaten and crucified, I denied even knowing him. Man, if I could only rewind the clock and go back, but I can't. There's no way I can ever make this right. And then Peter felt a hand on the shoulder, and he turned to see who it was, and his heart nearly stopped beating when he saw that that hand was pierced. And, And I pictured Jesus with his hand on Peter saying, Peter, it's all right, it's all right. It's all right. I know, I know, I know. It's all right now, Peter. Peter, look at me. Look at me. I forgive you, my friend, completely. Peter, look at these scars. Look at them. These wounds, these wounds are for you. These wounds are for you. These wounds are to heal you from your sin and your guilt, from your shame and your failure. I don't know about you, but 
I've been where Peter was. Truth be told, I'm there more times than I care to admit. And that's why Easter Sunday just pumps me up. Because it's a huge reminder that 2,000 years ago, forgiveness became available, that my sins can be washed away. That one, two, three, even seven times 70 failures does not make me lost. It reminds me that it's no longer about my denials, it's about his death. That it's no longer about what I did or what I do, but what Jesus Christ has already done. It reminds me that it really is Finished, to tell us die, paid in full. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because I owed a debt that I could not pay. Yes, those wounds are for me and those wounds are for you. What if forgiveness is available? Uh, Maple Grove, just as Paul stood before the church in Antioch in Acts chapter 13, verse 38, I stand before you today to say the very same thing that Paul said. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know That through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through Jesus, forgiveness is available. And I think it's so awesome and cool that Peter is the first guy to talk about forgiveness after the cross, after the resurrection. He just got through preaching to thousands of people, telling them, hey, guess what? You killed God. God's really ticked off at you. And they're like, oh, man. What are we going to do? Peter replied, repent to be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. By the way, two students got in on that forgiveness this past Wednesday night at Student Movement, Brianna and Matthew. Uh, Twelve other people have gotten in on this forgiveness so far at Maple Grove this year, and four people are going to get in on this forgiveness after third service today. It's been a win already. I woke up knowing we already won today, all right? Um, Listen, Christ's death and resurrection signal to the world that the kingdom of God is not reserved for good people. It's reserved for forgiven people. Uh, On Monday during our spring snow day, I'm walking my dog outside Johnson Elementary where we live, and, and, and... Snow was covering everything. I mean, it's just white everywhere. I I couldn't see the brown dirt. I I couldn't see the green grass. I I couldn't see the black walkway. And then God just gave me an incredible gift, reminding me of Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let's settle this. And maybe God can settle this today for some people in this room. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. And that's kind of a picture through the trees, just white as snow, just covered everything. His forgiveness covers everything. Forgiveness is available, and for Christians too. Did you know that? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, John said, to forgive us of all our sins and unrighteousness. What if restoration is possible? What if God could fix what is broken? What if God could fill what is empty? What if God could free what is captive? What if God could bring back what is lost? What if restoration is possible? What if we could become the person we've always longed to be, of becoming? What if we could live the life we've always wanted to live? What if we could really overcome and rise above our past mistakes? What if restoration is possible? It's more than possible. It's God's plan for me and for you. Paul said this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Paul writes in Ephesians, for we are Christ's masterpiece. He has what? Created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, 
God intends to do more for you than just save you from your sins and, and give you, punch your ticket to heaven. That's good stuff. I'm glad he did that, right? We need that. But he also, he wants to restore our lives so that we can be the people he always meant for us to be. The resurrection enables us to become a new creation. It creates us anew in Christ Jesus. I've always loved what God wrote through Paul in Romans chapter 6. He says, all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, like his, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. We too may live a new life, a life of glorious and inexpressible joy, a life of peace beyond understanding, awesome stuff. But hey, could I get real with you for a minute? Sometimes the concept of restoration pumps me up, and sometimes it totally bums me out. It it pumps me up because there's nothing I want more than to be the man that God created me to be. And it, and it bums me out because I got this gap. You know, I, I got this gap from where I are to, to where God wants to take me. I, I'm not there yet. And sometimes I think I'm closing the gap, and sometimes it's like, wow, that sucker is just getting wider and wider all the time. I offered a challenge through my email and Facebook. Hey, hey, Thursday, hey, why don't you read John 13 through 21? And, and, and I read these words. And God gave me a great thought. I wrote this in my journal, then I read in John 14. Here's what I wrote in my journal. Uh, Lord, I don't know how to become the person you want me to be. I mean, how do I really get there? That's what I was thinking. I wrote that, and then I read this. And I'm like, God, you're, you're, you're amazing. Then I, then the very next word I read was, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And I just wrote, wrote great answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, God. Good answer, God. That's it. You see, one of the most important truths we'll ever learn is that this restoration becomes a reality not by trying harder, but by drawing closer. Paul says this, encouraging words. God is working in you. That's kind of nuts, isn't it? Giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. It's about drawing closer. Zechariah said it's not by might nor by power but my spirit says the Lord and you know it's about drawing closer and what does that mean how do we draw closer and I was thinking about it last night and was totally confused about it, how to present it and and, and uh, this morning I had an idea hopefully it helps and we draw closer by you know prayer communicating with God like anybody else right you want to draw closer I, mean, I gotta we gotta talk I gotta you know I gotta talk to Steve and I gotta listen when Steve talks to me I gotta pray and I gotta read God's word and and then I thought well Okay, here's an idea. It works for me. I love fans and white noise. I don't know if anybody else loves white noise. I do. And check this out. This is amazing. Watch this. As this draws closer. No, kidding. Why? Because it's designed that way. See, it's designed that when you connect it and draw closer, it turns on. And see, you and I are designed that way. It's just designed that way. When we draw closer to God, we turn on. We turn on. It's not about trying harder, Steve. It's about drawing closer. 
We're designed that way. And at Maple Grove, we're all about restoration, connecting people to the life they were created to live. What if? I mean, what if forgiveness is possible no matter what you've done? What if restoration is possible? You know, that you can be the person you always wanted to be. And, And what if hope can be living? Paul writes, praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's giving us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So, so how are you doing with the hope thing right now? I mean, when you woke up this morning, were you more hopeful or hopeless about your life? I understand many times, myself included, uh, we don't do so good on this hope thing, do we? And why is that? Well, it's not that complicated, Steve, because we place our hope in the wrong things. What are some wrong things we can place our hope in? We can place our hope in money and career and stuff and relationship and good times and success. And if I could get real again for a moment as a pastor, you know where I can place my hope in? Have a fast-growing, hugely giving church you know, and bodies, buildings, and budgets, right? And butts, rather. You know, you know I got a growing church. We give all kinds of money and, and, and everybody loves me. Everybody thinks I'm great. I can put my hope in that. And you know what? That is not a safe place to put my hope. It's not a safe place to put my hope. Check out this question the psalmist asked himself when he was extremely bummed out. You ever been there? Why are you down? He's talking to himself. I talk to myself all the time. Sometimes people overhear it. That's all right. Uh, Why are you downcast, oh, my soul? Why so disturbed? Why am I so bummed out? Why am I so depressed? And then he kind of, you know, he answers his own question. He goes like, duh, duh, smacks himself in the head. He goes, put your hope in God, idiot. (laughs) Put your hope in God, Steve, not in those things that are not stable and secure. For I would yet praise my Savior, my God. Hebrew writer says this, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. See, we lose our hope because we have a floating anchor out there, man. It's just floating around. But Jesus Christ, if he is who he said he is, and he is, he gives us a firm anchor. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Oh, man, it would be sweet to have an exploding church, man, wouldn't it? Oh, I, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And what if salvation really is by grace? For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I understand, at some point we must realize that, that, that salvation is absolutely, objectively, unequivocally, universally a free gift, and all we can do is what? Receive it. It's free for the taking, and has nothing whatsoever to do with being worthy of it. Understand, we, we, we can ask for it, we can plead for it, but we will never deserve it. And, and listen, grace is never just enough. It is always more than enough. This week I just had hymns popping in my head. I've always loved this one. Wonderful grace of Jesus, 
greater than all my sin. How shall the tongue describe it? Where shall the praise begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free, for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful, the matchless grace of Jesus. Nothing can match his grace. What if? I mean, what if? What if forgiveness is available? What if restoration is possible? What if I really can be this person that God wants me to be? You know, what if my hope can be living and not be like this floating anchor thing? On Saturday morning, I read these words from John chapter 16, verse 1. And Jesus walked into the garden, talking to his guys, and he said, I told you these things to keep you from giving up. And immediately my mind thought about all the awesome things Jesus was saying to them, all the stuff I felt he'd been telling me, and all the stuff I wanted to share with you guys today. I've been immersed in these things all week long, that forgiveness is available, that that restoration is possible, that, that hope can be living, and that salvation is by grace. And then I wrote this down. Self-improvement is no more God's plan for us than self-salvation. God's plan is not just for us to be saved by grace. It is to live by grace. And, and then I kind of drew a picture. I said, Jesus, I, I won't give up. I can't. You know, I really need Easter. Forgiveness, restoration, hope, salvation. Then you can see my great artistic talent. I drove, there's my gap. You got one. We all got one. This is me who I am. This is me who God wants me to be. And grace is the bridge. And then what blew me away is the verse at the bottom. It wasn't planned. I'd go like, and I, I just laugh when I read it. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free. Oh, come on, that's nuts. That page, all the, you shall be free indeed. And Lamont says, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace. Only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. What if? What if, despite all our knowledge, what if, despite all our sophistication, what if the answer to our struggles, to our problems, to our loneliness, to our emptiness, to our fears, to our doubts, to our hopelessness, what if it still is an ancient solution? What if? What if? What if forgiveness is available? What if? Restoration is possible. What if hope can be living? And what if salvation really is by grace? We're going to sing a song written by a, a man named John Newton who wasn't always a good man. You know, he had a rough childhood and abusive childhood, but eventually became a captain of a slave ship and Eventually left that and wind up going into ministry. And he wrote the words to Amazing Grace. And we're going to sing about that Amazing Grace. And, and, and as we sing, just, I don't know where you're at today. I want you to know that forgiveness is available. If you're not yet surrendered to Jesus, you can do it today like the four people doing it after third service. 
If you're a Christian and you think you screwed up too much, right, like, like, like Peter did, guess what? Uh-uh, uh-uh. His grace is matchless. You don't, have to, you don't have to be that way unless you choose to be that way. And you know what? It's been hard to be the person you want to be, Steve. <laughs> but guess what? It's possible. And you know what, Steve? You can have a hope that is secure. And guess what? It's all by grace. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You just ask and plead for it. Would you stand and pray with me? Father God, we love you. What if? What if we really believe that forgiveness for us is available, that restoration is possible, that hope can be living, And what if, Lord, that salvation is really by grace? And what if we really believed it? Father God, we love you. I just pray your spirit ministers that we sing this song. And God, may we just celebrate your amazing grace right now. In Jesus' name, amen.